Hello and welcome to the Twinkle Trainee Teachers and ECTs podcast. My name's Simeon. I was a teacher for eight years. I was an RE leader, mass lead, but the absolute highlight of my career for me was getting to work with student teachers, trainee teachers, and help them begin their career on the right foot. And hello, my name is Ashley. I am also a former primary school teacher working predominantly in Key Stage 2 in Year 4 and Year 5. And I've joined the Twinkle team just to help you, if you're a trainee or an ECT, go into that classroom feeling confident. Now we have a very special show for you today with a very special guest. He is one of the biggest names on Edu Twitter in helping NQTs and ECTs start their career in a positive way. Today's guest is Mr. T of Mr. T's NQTs. Uh, for four years now on Twitter, he has been an absolute lifeline for NQTs, answering all their questions and working a full-time teaching job. He's got a book coming out as well. And today he's going to be talking to us about staying happy in teaching. And just before we get into the interview, which I know that you're all really excited for, we just want to highlight our social media accounts um, just so you can get in contact with us at any time um, and just let us know your thoughts on this podcast episode or if you've got any ideas for any future podcast episodes. So you can find us on Facebook at Twinkle Training Teachers and the Twinkle ECTs and NQTs. We've also got two community Facebook groups, which are the Twinkle Training Teachers group and the Twinkle ECT and NQT support group. We're on Instagram at Twinkle Training Teachers. We're on TikTok at Twinkle Training Teachers. And we're on Twitter at Training Twinkle. And this podcast will go onto all your broadcasting platforms such as Spotify and Apple Music. Thank you, Ashley. Okay, I'd like to get straight into things. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Mr. T. Is it okay if we call you Andy? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, go for it. I don't want to Thank you for inviting I- me on. Oh, it's a, it's a real pleasure to have you. I've I've really enjoyed watching uh, your tweets over, reading your tweets over the last few years, and um, seeing all the advice you give out and how much help you've been to NQTs and now ECTs. So, would you mind before we start the questions, just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you became Mister T of Mister T's NQTs? Absolutely. So. Um... Yeah, um, again, thank you for having me on. I started teaching uh, about 20 years ago now and about six years into my career, got the opportunity to start mentoring NQTs and work my first NQT. And then over the next 10 years of my career, worked with about 17 NQTs in that time, supporting them on their their first steps into their their teaching career. And it was a job I really loved. Um, The last six years of my time in primary schools, I was a deputy head and was encouraged to kind of step up to headship or something like that and I thought well, actually headship doesn't really kind of speak to me the way my work with a trainee teachers or an early career teachers did so I made the decision to actually pursue that as a as a role so I've now work um, at University of Worcester as a, um, a lecturer in uh, initial teacher education which is amazing because I get to work with uh, incredible trainee teachers and ECTs every day which is a real privilege um, and as I made that transition from being a deputy working in a school to working in HE I set up Mr T's NQTs. It's something that I've always wondered if there was a need for out there. Uh, when working with NQTs, I always made sure I gave them a great opportunity. But sometimes um, teachers that arrived in our school three, four years in, their experiences of their NQT, it was 
patchy at times and sometimes not as supportive as it could be. So I thought, okay, well, how can I kind of make an impact wider? So I set up Mr. T's NQTs, um, not really expecting where it was going to go and how it was going to develop. And over kind of the first 18 months, just kind of built and built and built and built. And it's just continued to grow from that point. And it's just a real privilege to be able to be a part of Twitter to draw on the collective knowledge to be able to support NQTs and ECTs, to be able to amplify their voice and also know that they've got a really kind of supportive place for them to go to um, to seek that advice. And uh, the Mr. T kind of moniker came through from um, my teaching background. So I had a, a class of, of pupils in one year, I think it was about eight years into my career, someone just started calling me Mr. T and it kind of stuck at school, uh, Mr. T. So it allowed me to kind of have this slightly more anonymous um, kind of voice on Twitter that I could then um, share things without um, kind of worry about kind of what I was saying and being able to really support and be an advocate for ECTs and be their champion without kind of that worry. But, you know, it's, it's grown into such a positive space for ECTs and NQTs. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very proud of kind of the space we've created in Edu Twitter, which is fantastic. Oh, you absolutely should be. I mean, Edu Twitter's a lovely place generally, but your tweets are an absolute highlight for me. So it's, it's the run up to Christmas and things do tend to get a bit harder. But one thing I've always admired about you, Mr. T, is you manage a full-time job and to give all this help to people. So I have a feeling you're pretty good with time management. Absolutely. I think you have to be. And, you know, it's a skill that you you develop over time and um, very much kind of a lot. I'm very good at blocking time. This is my time for doing this. This is my time for doing this. And it's, you know, the Twitter side of things. I could actually probably block my entire day out and keep myself busy <laughs> doing that. But it is about kind of blocking out those 15, 20 minutes every couple of hours or so just to really work on that side, as well as then fitting in the full time job around that side of things, which is uh, it's good. I was just going to say, do you ever have time to just switch off then? Because if you see you've got your full-time job, you've got your Twitter as well. Do you have time just to be Andy and just do the things that you want to do yourself? I do. Well, whether it's the things I want to do myself or the things I have to do. Um, So I'm dad (laughs) to two small children. So I've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. So there are times where I have to switch off because I need to be dad to them. So, you know, taking the swimming lessons, um, dancing lessons, doing activities with them, taking them out and about children's parties always a highlight of my weekend. Um, But it is, there are times I have to switch off. And also I make a priority in an evening kind of spending time just sitting and you know sitting with my wife watching telly and just really having that quiet time as well because it is really important that you know you have we all have that opportunity just to switch off from everything to have that real quiet time it's really important so if it's okay we've got some questions around kind of workload management and staying happy in teaching is the theme of today Ashley would you like to kick off with the first question yeah um so I work predominantly on Facebook and we get a lot of messages um, from ECTs and trainees who are struggling with that, with finding that work-life balance and finding that healthy balance because obviously they're wanting to do as much as they can for their class and their children and we all know that it's <laughs> that to-do list and teaching never gets done. Um, but I was just thinking, have you got any sort of advice for any ECTs or trainees listening to the podcast about how to create a balance, a, a, a nice work-life balance between doing the best you can whilst you're at work, but also having that time to yourself. Yeah, it, it's such a tricky balance. And you're right, mm-hmm. there is 
teaching is one of those jobs that will fill all the time that you give it. And I think that's something we have to be really mindful of is that there are opportunities in our day when we say, actually, this is my time. I am going to do this work. And after that point, I'm going to stop. Um, so thing advice I always give is know your productive times of the day. So for me, I am not a morning person. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'm a very slow person to get going first thing in the morning. But my productive time is between about four and six in an evening. So you've got me at a good time today. And also <laughs> that sense of um, that was the time for me. I could get the most kind of focused work done that I needed to. So, you know, getting the books marked, getting the you know, lessons planned, things organized, doing those things that needed a lot of my focus. And in that time, I will say, OK, in this two hours, this is what I need to get done. And always really prioritising, and this is something I would always advocate, prioritising the things that have the biggest impact on pupils' learning. Mm-hmm. So actually, if I knew I needed the books marked with feedback in for the next day or whatever that feedback looks like in your school, that would be my focus because without that, the children's learning couldn't be moved forward. It could even be things like, OK, well, I'm... Um, I need to know where the pupils are in their learning, so or how I'm going to structure or group my pupils the next morning, depending on what they presented in that lesson previously. Even if there's not any formal marking, those things that would really take the impact or have the biggest impact. And within that two hours, I would focus on getting that done first. If that's all I got done in the two hours, it's like great, I've done everything I need to do. After the two hours, that's it. I'm stopping. I'm going to head off. I'm going to head off home, knowing that I was ready to teach the next day and I've done the biggest impact. Equally, if I had 20, 15 minutes left at the end, I'd be like, okay, what can I get done in that time that's just one of those nice-to-do jobs that could be mm. done? You know, sometimes it's, you know, the, where the pupils have kind of brushed along a display for a week and then, you know, it's kind of looks like raggedy, <laughs> okay, I can tidy that up or I can do the photocopying. But equally, those sorts of jobs, if I was in early in the morning, as I said, it's not, it was not my best time of the day in the morning, standing at the photocopier or, you know, restapling some backing onto a board that I could do at that time of the day. So it's about knowing those productive times, mm-hmm. blocking that time. This is when I'm going to get this done. And also utilising that um, those times in the day. So school I worked in during assembly time we always had a rotor so that you weren't needed an assembly every day so that assembly time was kind of 15 minutes in the middle of the day where I could where I wasn't always needed where I could say right okay I'm gonna you know look at my emails in that 15 minute window I'm gonna you know get my photocopying sorted I'm gonna prep for the next day so that just utilizing those little gaps as well was you know paid dividends it meant then I didn't need to do that after school and depending on kind of your structure however your kind of your working and home life work for some of us you know for some um ects they prefer to actually i'm going to leave the school at four o'clock but now i'm going to do two hours of work in the evening afterwards because for whatever reason i think it's finding what works for you but being really strict with yourself about the time mm-hmm. it's going to take and the time you're going to give to things because you know you can take home 30 books and it could take you four hours to mark those books because you know you get distracted and you know other things are kind of going on around um but if you say okay i'm going to see how many books i can mark in the next or, or, or i've got an hour and a half or two hours to mark these books and you give yourself that timeline they will get done because they have to get done and you will make sure they get done so it's yeah. about just being really disciplined with your with that time but also knowing those productive times of the day as well which is really really beneficial Definitely. I think I found when I was a teacher as well, it was taking advantage of the environment and making sure the environment was right for me as well. Like I 
listen to music when I work. It, it helps me to focus and I just have to go, I can get into the zone and I can do it. If I sit in silence, I'm constantly thinking, my mind's going, I'm going to pick up my phone. I have to have something on in the background, not the television as that's just not good. I used to try and mark books in front of the TV and it never worked for me. But once I'd sort of learned those optimal things for me, I used to be a lot more productive. And I think it can take a time to find them, but it's just trial and error, isn't it? Especially as a trainee or an ECT, it's, it's, this is the time to learn, isn't it, about yourself as well as the job. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, find, like you said, finding those things, actually, are you better off on the sofa with the music on and kind of being comfortable? Or actually, do you need to be sat at a desk to do it, mm. which is more productive for you? And that will be, as you said, it's different for everybody. I'm like you, I, do, I like, I need music on, I need something in the background, otherwise my brain starts to try and fill the silence yeah. and I start yeah. thinking about random things and <laughs> get lost completely. But yeah, it is about finding those things that are really productive for you. And like I said, teaching will fill all the time that you give it. And as an ECT, you want to make a good impression. You want to be on it and you want to show that you're the best that you can be. But equally, sometimes you just have to think, actually, no, the best thing I can do is just to stop working now. I've, I've done enough. And actually, sometimes enough is good enough. You know, we have to take that time. I've done it as well as I can do at this point in time. And actually me now resting and switching off for the next couple of hours is going to be the best thing that I can do for me and actually for the children I'm going to teach tomorrow because I'm going to be fresh fresh and ready to teach them. Yeah. Those are all excellent points. <laughs> I think there's a real fear. I certainly had it with leaving jobs undone. And the only way to really overcome that fear is to do it for a while and see that actually the world doesn't end. If you leave a few few small jobs yeah. undone, that's okay. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, it can be really hard. Um, so... In terms of maintaining your life outside of school, what do you think are the most important things to focus on kind of during term time where where your free time's quite limited outside of school? I think it's about planning things in. So one thing I always advocate for is always have a sacred day, a sacred day at the weekend where you do no work. Ideally, you know, we want to keep both of our weekend days free, but sometimes that can be a slight unrealistic and People just like that comfort of knowing I've got time just to look at my lessons for the for the Monday, just to feel really comfortable and confident. But having a sacred day where you do no work at the weekend and plan things to do in that time, because often sometimes when you're if you haven't got things to do and you're having that day, the, the, the temptation is just oh, I'll just check my email. I'll just have a look at this. And then before you know, it, an hour and a half of your weekend's gone again. You're like, oh, no, it's gone. Um, but it is about kind of really planning those nice things to do. And equally having like a sacred evening where you do as a no school or you plan to do something. So whether that's kind of meeting friends or a sport activity, whatever works for you. Um, and but things that you kind of book and you commit to, which kind of forces you to do that as well. So signing up for a class or signing up for something that, okay, I've got to go at that time. There's no kind of wiggle room because that's again that side of teaching that if you don't have those things booked in and you've got that time and you're just sat at home, you will start to do things because you want to fill that time and you feel, you know, sometimes we do feel guilty if we're not working. And I think that's something that we have to move away from that sense of feeling guilty if we're not doing work because the work would always be there. And, and as you're saying earlier, Simeon, you know, let everything go that actually if that doesn't get done it's not the end of the world for the next two hours the sun's still going to rise the same morning the next morning they're still the children are still going to come in i'm still going to be able to teach them it is about kind of finding that 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 balance and that realization that it's okay not to work and not to feel guilty about that 
Yeah, it's like you were saying, it's being present in whatever you're doing outside of work, whether it is just sitting down and watching a film, like you were saying that you try and spend some time with your family outside of work. It's being present and, and noticing that you're having a lovely time. You don't have to do the big grand things. You don't need to go out and spend lots of money doing things. But it's just whatever that is, even if you're having a lazy morning and having breakfast at a later time, that's lovely and it's still a lovely thing to do. But if you're not noticing that at the time, if you're not appreciating it, they're the sort of things that you can forget. And they're, they're great. They're great times of the day. I love a lion and a, and a late breakfast on a Saturday. But yeah, I think, I think it's definitely important to, to notice when you're not at work and try and, I don't know, just enjoy that time. Just live in that moment. I agree. Just going back to something you said earlier, I used to, after work, I'd be there for half an hour, just kind of milling around, decompressing, but not actually getting anything done. And then I'd kick in and then I'd work for another hour and a half. But once I realised that, I thought, well, I might, might as well go for a 20 minute walk, actually get outside, get some fresh air, clear my head. The, the results are the same, except now I get some exercise. So yeah, abs- absolutely monitoring when you're actually being productive is is really important. Yeah, I was guilty of that. After school gossip, I would find a teacher friend and you sit and you have a chat and you yeah. don't realise that half an hour is gone, you haven't done anything. Um, but that's just as important as well, because that was a lovely debrief of the day and to sort of get any negatives that might have happened and get them out of my system. But yeah, I was awful for that. I had to be very disciplined to stay in my own room and not to wander. Yeah, but equally, I think, as you said, you know, that, that connection with colleagues can be so supportive for your well-being as well. That human connection, you, know, you often think of teaching being quite a sociable job, but actually you spend a lot of day with children. You don't get a huge amount of adult interaction and building those relationships with peers. And I often you know, talk about this a lot on Twitter, you know, sitting in the staff room and having a coffee, having a laugh with your colleagues. That makes the job more enjoyable. It positively affects your well-being and, again, will kind of keep you positive and enjoying teaching in that that long term if you've got those positive relationships supporting you so it's but it's you're right it's that balance if there's something that you need to get done and you don't want to take it home that night get it done but equally if there's that opportunity yeah go and enjoy your the company of your colleagues because that is important as well definitely um so obviously we're saying about staying happy in teaching so how important is mindset in teaching how important is having that positive mindset I think it's really important. And I often talk about finding your tribe, finding those people that energise you about teaching. So they inspire you to be better. They're not, it's not about creating an echo chamber of people who agree with you and tell you everything's marvellous when what you need to do is find people that energise you, but will challenge you in a positive way. And it's about having that mindset that, you know, teaching is tough, but there is an enjoyment in there. There's why we got in, you know, why you've got into teaching. It's to make that impact on pupils, to have that, that knowledge that you are making a contribution to the, to society to the world you know in what you're doing it's it's a hugely you know powerful thing to stop and think about sometimes that actually that lesson that you taught that day could be inspiring somebody to go on and you know find the cure for cancer ultimately you just don't know it is that but it is that huge inspiration that we have in that role and finding those people that inspire us and trying to steer away from those people that sometimes can de-energize you you know the, the like the mood hoover in that you know that sucks all the joy out of, of things for you and um i was once told that there's one in every school and if you look around the staff room and you can't see them then uh, it might be you um, <laughs> but it is about finding those people like i said that energize you and you know there's a lot of a lot of negativity around teaching and the workload and everything but 
finding those things that energize you, find the things that possibly create that love of, of learning, of teaching again in you. And sometimes that could be engaging with, with podcasts, with CPD. Again, find, find that, that mindset of actually I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm enjoying this job and I want to get better at it. I can get better at it and I can find that enjoyment in it. And it's, yeah, it's, like I said, it's hugely rewarding, makes such a huge impact. And sometimes we don't want to lose sight of that with everything else that's going on. Yeah, and it can sometimes come down to resilience as well, isn't it? You have to be so resilient as a teacher, especially in the early stages of your career when those lessons might not go exactly to plan or, you know, the behaviour in the class wasn't exactly how you wanted it or that observation didn't go as well as you wanted. And it is just staying resilient, concentrating on the positives that did happen in that day, picking yourself up, dusting yourself off and, and going again, isn't it? But that can be that is a skill that sort of you learn through experience and it can be really hard because we've had so many ECTs reaching out to us and it, we just want to say it, it will take time, but that is almost the worst thing to hear at the time, isn't it? Because you just want all the answers, but it, it does get better. It does get better. And I, you know, I always used to, whenever working with NQTs or ECTs or training teachers, encourage them to make mistakes because actually mistakes help you to learn, they help you to develop, but equally, it means you're taking risks, you're trying out new things, you're trying to be innovative in your practice because that keeps, you know, you positive about teaching, keeps it fresh for you, it keeps you kind of driving forward. But you should be making mistakes because that means you are taking those risks, you are trying new things. But you're right, it's that resilience. And I was thinking about that, not really a word, but bounce back ability, that ability <laughs> to think, okay, that didn't go well. How can I come back from that? How can I move forward now tomorrow? And it's that knowledge of, if you do have a bad lesson, and everybody has a bad lesson, you know, 20 years into education, I still have lessons. I think mm, that wasn't the best I could have done because we do, because, you know, you can plan it, you can see, but, you know, it's there's a full moon outside, but it's a windy <laughs> day, you know, anything can affect the, the children's way they receive kind of what you've spent hours lovingly crafting as a lesson. It's about knowing that actually, worst case scenario, I'll teach it again tomorrow. I'll just tweak it and I'll reteach it tomorrow. It, you know, it's not the end of the world. The world won't cease to be there's always an opportunity to kind of move that forward. And teaching is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And the progress that you make on pupils, yes, we want to see those lessons moving children's knowledge forward, but it's that impact over time that make the big difference to pupils. And part of that is you being there every day and being that constant, which is why looking after your own well-being, finding that enjoyment means that you will be there every day. And your presence in that room is probably going to be the, be the biggest deciding factor over people's progress over that year. So be there and spend time investing in you so you are there. That's lovely. I completely agree. It's, it's almost like an act of faith, though, isn't it? Putting your faith in that long-term progress, those long-term gains. And that gets easier with experience because you've seen it happen before. You know that, OK, I don't need to go full out for the first half term i can pace myself it does it like you said ashley it comes with time mm -hmm. now um i i love your positive mindset andy are there anything any things you do outside of work to help you switch off from teaching because that's something i found really hard switching off from the job i think as teachers we're always mulling things over there are always things that you think oh i should oh, I could have done that. And you find yourself in the middle of kind of the supermarkets thinking about it and you've walked past about the three things you needed to pick up off the shelves. Um, but as Ashley said earlier, you know, it's about being mindful, being in that moment in time and thinking, you know, this is kind of, this is my focus now and planning in those things that you can do 
outside of work that are different from work. And one of the things I always kind of say is if you can try and socialise with non-teachers as well, because I, I often joke that the collective noun for a group of teachers should be a moan of teachers. Because I think when <laughs> teachers get together, there's always that, that always brings that like, oh, this this, this happened today and this happened. And you spend all your time unpicking teaching and you don't, you lose sight of kind of that wider socialization side of things um which is hugely important because as you're saying it gives you that chance to decompress you know by talking to colleagues but sometimes it's good just to be able to switch off and you know spend time with other people and um it, with different kind of vocational experiences i once you know a, a friend of ours um is a, a doctor and you know actually a bad day for them is far more Serious a bad day for them than it is for me. So sometimes it just helps you to give a bit of perspective. But also you don't get the chance to get into that cycle then of just focusing on teaching and education. It gives you that that broader aspect that kind of does really help you to switch off. So I think that's really important. And as I said, it's about finding those activities that you can engage with that force you to continue to engage with that. So arrange to meet up with friends and go and commit to make that commitment or sign up to a class. So you know, you've got to be there for a certain time because then that does help you to make that distinction. And a couple of things I always say as well, if you can not take work home or leave the school bag out of sight, shut it in a cupboard. So it's not kind of glaring at you from the corridor, from the hallway or from the corner of your room. Try and get it out of sight so you can kind of switch off from it. And um, if you can, just leave that at work and have that transition at home. And also try not to work at home where you rest as well. So if you can, and that's something I think lots of people experienced during COVID, your home became your workspace as well. And that being able to manage that was quite challenging. And um, I think it's about finding that space. Okay, this is my workspace and this is my relaxing space and trying not to blur those lines. So you can then, when you're in the lounge, you can switch off because it's a place you don't do any work or your bedroom is a place you can switch off because you don't do any work there. So it's about really finding those ways of making that distinction. Now I'm at home, I'm focusing on home, I'm focusing on me. This I'm at home, but I'm doing work and this is my where I do my work at home and trying to make those really clear boundaries for yourself is so important. It's really interesting that you mentioned space. I remember, um, I think it was my one of my university lecturers said that he wore his lanyard whilst he was working. So even if he was at home, he would keep his lanyard on. And then it was that process of taking that lanyard off, switched his head because he knew there was two distinctions for him. And I always remember that. And I always struggled because I used to think men would find it easy with ties. And obviously I didn't wear a tie at work, but I was just, I was try- I always tried to think of the, the thing that I could have that had that distinction and I think space could be great for that and like you said the bag as well maybe have the bag next to you as you're working but then shut it away you don't see it that could be really good and it is those physical things can help mentally as well I agree um so moving on I know that obviously on Twitter you are there to advise NQTs and ECTs now and trainees um, on a wide variety of things. And obviously a lot of that might be work-life balance or mentality, positive mindsets. But is there any other advice or tips that you think of that you've seen that are common at the moment or that you'd like to give to our ECTs that are listening at the moment? I think this time of the year, uh, I think going into the winter months where it gets a little bit darker, you often you can be leaving for work in the dark or not probably very many, many weeks until you'd be leaving to work in the dark, you'd be coming home in the dark. It can feel quite that your life is taken up by by work and it's that knowledge of that will pass you know we will get out the other side of that and don't 
and still try and plan those things around work as much as you can. But I know, you know, sometimes you, know, you just want to put your comfy clothes on and lounge on the sofa and do your marking. But it is about trying to still focus and find those things to do. This time, this term, particularly the autumn term in its fullness from September to December is it's huge. And you I don't think as an ECT, you quite appreciate it takes you the opportunity to reflect on it, to appreciate how much you've learnt in that time and how exhausting that is. You know, you've learnt new school systems, names of people, their responsibilities, their roles, you've built relationships with them, you've got understanding of the way that school does it. All those things, it's, it's a drain on your kind of mental capacity as well and you can feel exhausted. And this half term coming in now to get to Christmas, like I said, night's getting darker, so, you know, that we don't get as much vitamin D, that sunshine element that we need to kind of keep us buoyant. So it is about finding things that you enjoy, but also knowing that actually this half term, there could be quite a lot of other drains and other draws on you that you haven't experienced yet. So pace yourself, you know, take time to actually, I don't have any work to do, or I haven't got any work I have to do this evening. There are things I could do. And no, actually this evening, I'm not going to do those could do things because I need to protect myself going forward. Often in primary schools, you'll have possibly discos coming up at Christmas, Christmas performances that you'll be expected to kind of support involve in, um, PDA events. Often as we're coming towards the end of a term, the school will expect you to do some sort of data drop and put information on systems about um, for pupils. And it's about knowing those things are coming and pacing yourself now will give you the energy to get there. And I didn't really listen to this advice when I was uh, an NQT myself in my early careers. And I would often reach Christmas and have no voice by Christmas because it would, I would just be exhausted by that point. And it is about, just like I said, just pacing yourself and knowing that I need to keep that energy. And it's not, and self-care isn't selfish. It is about thinking, I want to make sure I can see this term out with this class, enjoy all those lovely events like the disco and everything and not be kind of, off work because you're you know you haven't given the chance to protect yourself and that well-being so definitely kind of protect yourself and move forward that way the other thing um coming up will be that end of um first uh kind of term progress review points that will be coming up for all ects so to come to a christmas that progress review that's an opportunity for you to share how you've gone on how you've got on this half term to celebrate your successes and know that they're there will be things that you need to kind of continue working on and to set those targets, look at opportunities moving forward. But one thing I will say, which I think is really important that, you know, you hear that even if, you know, there are some areas that aren't going the way you want to, so lots of areas to develop, you cannot fail a term of your ECT year. You've still completed this term. It doesn't mean you have to resit it or retake it. You know, it doesn't often very ha- happen. It's often, you know, a very positive thing. But if you are worried about that, you cannot fail a term, if that makes sense. You know, it's it's there. This progress review will happen. And like I said, celebrate all the things that you've done. Take your books of your children to show off the work that they've done. You know, really celebrate what you've achieved this term because that's such an important opportunity for you. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. T. It's It's been an absolute pleasure. And I, I have a feeling we could probably talk to you all day about teaching. Um, if, if you're listening and you would like to get in touch with Mr. T and ask him a question, it's Mr. T underscore NQTs. At Mr. T's, there's a less there, Mr. T's uh, NQTs, yeah. Mr. T's NQT. We'll put it in the description of this just to avoid any <laughs> any confusion uh, but but thank you so much for coming on do you have anything else you'd like to say before we sign off no just you know 
go for it. You know, your ECT year, take those risks, try things out, embrace every opportunity that comes your way. And yeah, just remember, you know, you know, you're doing a huge important job and you are doing your best. And if you're do, giving it your best, that's all anybody can ask of you. So just keep going. Thank you. Uh, thanks very much for inviting me on. No problem. Thank you for joining us. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of listeners that have really enjoyed this episode. And if you have any questions about this podcast or you would like to give us any advice or suggestions for future themes of our podcast episodes, please get in contact with us on one of our many social media accounts. We're on Facebook at Twinkle Trainee Teachers and Twinkle ECTs and NQTs. We have two community Facebook groups at Twinkle Trainee Teachers and Twinkle ECT and NQT Support Group. We're on Instagram at Twinkle Trainee Teachers. We're on TikTok at Twinkle Trainee Teachers and we're on Twitter at Trainee Twinkle and this podcast will be going out on Spotify, Apple Music and any other broadcasting streams.